0: Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agostinelli, and uh, as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Uh, today's guest is a guy by the name of Ravi Kulkarni. Uh, Ravi's a super interesting guy, guy that I've had a, a lot of personal, um, exposure to through a management roundtable I got to participate in. Um, and in true Ravi and Mark fashion, our, uh, conversation certainly, uh, you know, took a kind of a winding road, but we hit on a lot of main themes that this podcast has touched on, like self awareness and having a mentor. And, uh, I love talking to Ravi. I always walk away learning something and I hope you enjoy it as well. Well, hey, Ravi, first off, Thank you very much for coming on Beers and Careers. Much appreciated. Um,
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Ravi and I know each other. Ravi worked with Davis um, for quite some time. Uh, Ivan I was fortunate enough to be in a group that was participating in a roundtable with many different industries that Ravi and um, his partner, Lynn, facilitated. I, wa- I guess, Ravi, that was five years ago now?
1: Three. Years yeah, already? five years ago, yes.
0: Yeah that's better.
1: insane
0: oh, right. yeah um and it had a tremendous impact on my life and certainly the way i you know think I've, I've always been a person who's curious but i think you uh your program with lynn certainly poured some gasoline on that fire we got to know each other um through that experience on a more personal level and kind of stayed in touch since and i think you've got an awesome story to tell so i'm excited to have you on
1: oh thank you thank you for inviting me absolutely
0: absolutely i um i I would describe you as a as a business coach management kind of consultant but what really do you want to give the uh the spiel of what it is you do today I don't want to steal that from you
1: <laughs> So basically uh we are uh me and my business partner but we are uh, formally trained executive and business coaches because this this industry is non-regulated and anybody can call, call themselves coaches but there is a specific skill in business coaching and you have to acquire it through uh, learning about a few things. So we are formally trained. But when we got into the business, everyone picks up their own niche. And uh, it appeared that I was called more for business growth strategies by people uh, who knew me or those who who at least were aware of me in my life uh, from the bottom up in this country so um they thought business growth was all about sales. So initially, I was being invited to say, can you help us grow our revenue, our sales? And I was helping them. But as I found out, there are so much layers, so many layers uh to the business growth that it is not just uh, revenue because you could have a high revenue and not profitable and still go down and there could be a cash flow issues, et cetera. So I morphed my business into business strategies. You know, so it was not purely on business growth, but business strategies. And the strategy strategy means individual personal situation. It could be some businesses are uh, looking for just survival. Some be, uh, businesses are looking for growth. Some be, uh, businesses are looking for generational transitions. So strategy is about continuity, sustainability, and profitable growth. Mm-hmm. Okay, So three specific uh, areas we focus on, you know, Uh, I believe in continuity because I like to see wealth being retained uh, from generation to generation within our community. So continuity, um, sustainability, you know, continuity also has to come with some some really uh, aspects of not only you continue, but you sustain the growth or whatever the future is. Mm. And then not just growth, but profitable growth, because growth for the sake of growth is not not good enough so our current practice is in those specific area and when you start exploring multiple layers of that basically you start exploring that well what can continuity mean because it's one generation to another generation so Uh it's building the bench strength, building the leadership so these became the byproducts of our mission or passion so Mm. Building the bench strength, that's where the program, you were there in, Mark, where yeah. you know, if the organization doesn't have the bench strength, you can't have continuity. It became a byproduct of the strategy, okay, but mm-hmm. like very deep meaning behind it. Yeah. Similarly, the financial strength, you know, a lot of people, there is a, there's a, you know, tax consultant give you advice that, uh, you know, pay minimum taxes legally, but try to draw as much cash as possible. And then for companies, the balance sheet is weak. So if they want to grow, they may not get funding. So financial capacity. So we started looking at this as a big picture strategy and came up with very specific buckets that every organization needs to focus on for strategizing. And those buckets basically are senior leadership that that basically is visionary as well as management, bench strength, market-focused strategy because markets are changing rapidly, you mm-hmm. know, uh, financial platform uh, and and management, and then at the center of it is is the culture. And so our our business evolved around this particular uh, model. You know, the how do we help people to to look at all these aspects and prioritize and focus on growth. So mm-hmm. this is this is what is my current business.
0: Yeah, it's it's um, it's complex. And it and it certainly it requires deep relationships because there's a lot of nuance involved, um, which I'm kind of excited to get into, and I'm, I'm excited to, to to for you to share your story too, as you referenced starting from the bottom up, like I, like I, in our country, like I'd love for you to talk about your experience of that. But before we get into that, the only programmed segment of the podcast is I always ask a few quick rapid fire questions sure. just so the audience can get to know the guest. Um, what is uh your favorite uh, cocktail ravi
1: oh everything my son in law makes i call him uh, you know master of cocktails because i uh, i'm learning i'm learning to drink alcohol from your generation <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all right okay cool is there, I, I, a, is there a current go to right now that he's making <laughs> that you enjoy
1: uh, i i'm not 100% sure but but i i do i mean uh, you know i, I like my daughter's wedding took place and he made a cocktail of um, some multiple products, and I can't even name it. That's, that's, okay. how, I, I, hey, I, I love, hey. I'm, no, I'm more don't. of a, I enjoy wines and more so uh, is white wines and once in a while a typical red wines, but cocktail yeah. is, I'm still learning. I have that, a learner's license. That's,
0: <laughs> a, hey, that's totally, good. wine is completely acceptable on beers and careers. Totally cool. Um, <laughs> Do you have a favorite curse word? I don't know if I've I've heard you curse.
1: Well, only in my childhood, I cursed a few times. And my mother, you know, strict culture. And I I got a treatment I cannot even say on podcast. So since then, I have not used curse. uh, Control myself, you know, uh, F word never comes to my mouth. But there are some slight curses, come, you know. Um, but I, I normally in not high cursing only because of my childhood uh, traumatic experience from my mother, <laughs> which, is good, which is a good lesson. That yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, it served you well. It served ah, you well. By the way, one time there are some, some clients of mine who would not be able to speak a single sentence if there was no F word. And they don't even realize they do it. So one time, one client was ripping my office manager, left, right, center. Every word was starting with F. every sentence. So I said, give me that phone. And I, for seven minutes, I remember I started every sentence with F word. Wow. (laughs) And the guy was so shocked because he had never heard that from me. He said, Ravi, do you know what you're saying? I said, I'm just repeating you. And yeah. there was something like this after that.
0: That's awesome. So it's like a, it's like a silver bullet for you that you pull out only when needed. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I I'm glad to know that I wasn't the client you were referencing. Cause I have uh, i I'm a little loose sometimes with that. So I love, I love it. How about, um, you, do you have a favorite guilty pleasure? Mm,
1: yeah. Uh In the sense I like watching, I don't know whether that's guilty, but, uh, I like watching movies, you know, yeah. sometimes I, I enjoy movies. Uh, I enjoy going to a movie theater and watching it. Um, so I, alcohol, because my father lived with me, I, we did not open a lot of, uh, you know, wine bottles, et cetera, yeah. just out of respect for him. Yes. But I, I'm a social drinker, you know, once yeah. I, I enjoy a glass of wine, enjoy company if it's there, but I'm a social drinker, but I, I do, and I love eating and that is the worst guilty pleasure right now at Amen. my age. Yeah
0: uh, I bet I bet and especially when there's uh, not as many things to distract us from eating during a pandemic so. right
1: and I'm I'm using all the application on lose it etc to make sure I lose weight but then I know I'm cheating on some of the calories. Right?
0: <laughs> I I will not tell anybody okay? okay your secret I mean you just told the world but the secret's safe. Uh how about are you I uh, I didn't know if you usually when I have a guest on I can kind of guess if they're into quotes or not and for you I I actually had a little trouble because the things that I've remembered Robbie referencing in quotes have generally been from articles in Business Week Harvard Business Review case studies etc so do you have a favorite quote or maybe one of the moment right now
1: no it may come it may come to me and I'll I'll tell you because I do have some people say oh that Something you said just stuck in my head or something, you know, but um, Mm. that's they tell me because I don't know that I, you know, I I said it, but uh, it may come to me and I'll pause and say, "Okay, you're asking me for a quote. I'll give you the quote. But uh, I I do. um, I do basically uh, do a motivational uh, discussion sometimes and something comes to me and I don't remember them as my coach but the people remind me so um, all right all right there you go. As, as we go along uh, and now
0: lastly how about what was your first job
1: job so I grew up in India and Indian culture generally you when you do education you do education you don't work it's a completely different culture you know uh, okay. at least when I grew up okay but when i was in college i was helping a company so i didn't get paid for it but basically i was helping a, a friend of family establish their manufacturing business and so i did everything from uh, you know layout to installation of equipment etc but that was that was something you can say as a uh, as a voluntary job my first real paid job was with a company called Larsen & Tobro. It is one. It is an internationally known, great company, Indian-based, started by two uh, Danish people in India. And I was their product development engineer and then uh, project sales engineer. So uh, I, I started. That was my first and the last job. After that, I started my business, coming straight out of that company. And then I became unemployable because once you become boss, nobody wants to hire you.
0: Right, right. That's like before yeah. before we get to that, how did you you're a degreed mechanical engineer, I if
1: a yeah. so right? mechanical degree and rubber technology additional uh, qualification.
0: Yeah. How did you how did you make the decision when you were living in India to go down that technology path? Like where where, where was the inspiration from that?
1: Well, I was a science uh, based student, you know, in schools. I was, in, I was top of the line, t- top of the class, a science based student. So I was interested in as much in India, the branching happened like this. At one particular time, they call it intermediate school. You either go to biology, uh, and, uh, and botanical sciences or medical, or you go to engineering. So you have to make a wow. choice at that, that point, you know, that was how, how
0: old are you, right? How old is that? Uh,
1: I was younger than most people, 16. 16. Okay. 16. Okay. OK, I graduated from high school at age 15, you know, 11, okay. years. 11 years high school um, for some reason. Wow. And uh, there was there was a prestige engineering institute in India, which is, you know, if you uh, Google IIT, Indian Institute of Technology, these were the five premium engineering schools and you don't get automatically there. So um, you have to go through a really rigorous entrance exam and the total seats in my time like 1400 seats available in five engineering colleges you know right. and I um, I decided to apply for that and go through the uh, uh, test um, and about 200,000 students apply for the entrance and in my time 1400 used to be selected so you mm-hmm. can understand that cream of the cream in the Very country um, and uh, I got in I was I was not top i was 465 or something out of all those students you know um but uh i decided that i had two choices that i preferred one was uh, electronics which at that time was known as uh you know light current and another one was mechanical and um i was given an option and german my IIT was German Institute, you know, all taught professor by Germany. And Germany is excellent in uh, engineering and mechanical right. engineering. So I, I made that choice, you know. But, okay. but, but I was always mechanical mindset, you know. So that that's what I did. Now,
0: you clearly were an excellent student to go that path. Where was that habit formed? Was that very parental? Did your parents have a big deal with that or did you naturally take to school?
1: Um in india the the culture there was uh, a middle class always told their kids in my time, you know there's a yes. difference now uh, middle class always told their kids, "I cannot give you any other wealth, but I can provide you for the best education we can help you get there." Mm. So education was inbuilt into some of the Asian cultures, even now, you know you know Chinese and yes. Asian students, education is. Most of our students are not all around like Americans. So there is a better there. Both sides have plus and minuses. You know, so education was very important. And um, I was, uh, you know, naturally top of my classes all along. So it was it came to me from my mother's side more than my father's side. My mother was a college graduate way back in 1920s, you know, um, hmm. So in, in those time, um, you know, Women didn't even go to college. You know, my grandfather was a, was a lawyer and barrister and uh, he fought freedom fight. So he wanted his girls to be educated. So my aunt was a doctor. So it all came from my, my uh, maternal side where education was number one. And everyone gets an opportunity if you are highly educated or you're well educated. So it, that was the that was the foundation.
0: Interesting. So would you describe that first role you had, the first job you just explained? Was that kind of like the equivalent of an internship here in the States?
1: No, a, that was okay. a full-paid job. Okay. And uh, I did internship. Uh, internship was not a thing in those years uh, in India, but I did. uh I wanted to do it, so I did two places internship, you know. But okay. uh, Larson Tubro was a real job, and okay. uh, Larson Tuber was – uh they, they selected in my year something like 247 engineers or so, and just a selective few were selected for a higher management program, and they were rotated. See, they said there are engineers who were selected for a particular branch and continue to move there. There were about 16 or 18 of us, I don't know exact numbers, mm. were rotated through different departments six months and the idea was to have a general knowledge of the company so you can lead and manage uh, manage rather than just be specialized in one branch. Mm-hmm. That's so, really cool. And, and I think that's important even today. If you yeah. give a variety of experience instead of put people in just one track, not everyone is made up for that. I think they can contribute much better.
0: I, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's funny. I um – um. There was a guy, actually just made me realize I should reach out to him, uh, that I live with when I, you know, I lived in Australia for a little while after college playing lacrosse and the guy I live with, the family I live with, they actually ran a similar business to yours, but more, spoke, a little bit on strategy, but also on team building and culture and bench play, like you're a little less on the true market position strategy than you do, um, but he, I remember, you just made him maybe remember he talked about many of his clients would do six month rotational programs where the, the head of a department would literally just switch and they'd go all in and have to learn a different person's kind of vertical. And, uh, I also feel very blessed that although I would have to label myself a salesperson because I was in sales, it forced me to understand all the other nuances of the business, depending on who I was selling to or the resources and the, um, and the buy-in I need to get from the rest of my internal organization where I kind of feel like I got my hands in things that I wouldn't have if I didn't choose that. So that's interesting that you kind of remember that being a uh, an integral point for you.
1: And before you go further, you, you asked me s- some quote. And this is one of the statements I make. I don't know whether it's a quote or something, you know, but because I do a lot of coaching for younger people or people who are basically – are in the workforce, sometimes they're stressed, or, or sometimes they come to me with a complaint, et cetera. And uh, I see the potential in them, and I just say to them one simple thing. I said, you know, either know the rules of the game and play by the rules or change the game. Yeah. Don't sit there and whine. If you're working in a company, the company is governed by certain rules, certain cultures, you're not gonna change everything. Right. So either you know how to fit in and do the best you can to progress. I'm not saying accept everything, but or change the game. Yes. Now, you can change the game within the company if you do it right. But if you just complain about it, it's not going to take you anywhere. Do you see?
0: Do you see that as a common thing among youthful uh, all across business, or mainly like? As getting into the business
1: world, all across business at multiple age groups, mm. and and youth a lot more only because they haven't been uh, they they are just facing the life real reality of life. So yeah. so it's not that. But even my generation did it when they were younger. You yes, yeah. so I'm not saying that this is uh, restricted to only youth. You know, it, it's yes. people complain, complain, complain. Then why are you there? Right. You know, I mean, why are you there? Understand that there are things you cannot change. There are things you can't change. Mm-hmm. And and I just said, you know, uh, that's the way it is.
0: Did you, uh, it's so interesting because I think uh, that's a self-awareness skill, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah
0: it's a theme of this podcast that's emerged. I think we're, this is maybe episode, let's just call it, we're somewhere between episode 17 and 20 of recording. And much of the themes that have come up, self-awareness has been a huge one. And I think that's a really interesting one because um, that's a hard one to coach if you can't feel the rules of the game. Because there's right. obviously the rules that are documented, but then there's also the rules of the game that are unspoken Correct. and the culture that you're speaking of. And I think, do you... Do you think you can be successful at coaching someone, or does someone either have that or they don't?
1: Some people are, uh, I would say fifty-fifty. Some okay. people uh, understand, and some people may move on to another company. Some people may become successful within the company. Mm. My my other uh, comment to them is, as long as you're there, give them hundred percent. So even right. when you leave, you know, uh, if you decide to leave. You feel proud about yourself that you give the best you could, you know, so I don't don't recommend them. So uh, some people give their best, uh, give the chance to the management or whoever they need to give chance. And if it doesn't work, uh, move on. You know, I mean, that's life. You know, but but uh, I don't want people to leave with resentment. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not the right thing.
0: Yes. Not a good mental space to be in
1: either. Not a good mental space.
0: Do you so... You take that job at that Larson and, I'm sorry.
1: Larson and Tubro.
0: Larson and Tubro. And, and talk to me. How long were you there?
1: A little over five years. Um, okay. but, but even when they interviewed me for the job, they asked me, where, you know, typical question, where would you see yourself five years from now? I said my own business, my own boss. They all left. And when I left, one of the gentlemen who was uh, interviewing me had become much higher and i went to meet with him he and he laughed at and said you really mean it didn't you i said yep and he went on to become chairman of the of the organization you know later on but he said wow. you know um if you had to stay you had bright future here but i cannot stop you if that's your dream you know right. and that that was fair because he with said if that, you joined-
0: where did that dream come from like when 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 did you decide you want to join your business was it before you even got there
1: oh yeah before yeah. India was was either the rich had the access in my generation. They were not entrepreneurship to the extent that you see now.
0: Okay.
1: Because, you know, I'm a graduate of engineering in 1974. India is, you know, independent 1947. So there was not entrepreneurship to the extent. A lot of people who had ambition, aspiration, they moved to foreign countries. I had an opportunity. I still stayed there because I wanted to make a difference. Mm. You know, I had a couple of uh, aspirations from that. Number one, I wanted to create something that's entrepreneurship, you know, create something. I wanted to provide uh, employment to the people who basically didn't have a chance, uh, who are not educated, you know, who are not highly educated. So it came from uh, passion as well as some emotions. And so I always wanted to do that. You know, I mean, just had zero money. I had no family wealth. But I had to do that from because I wanted to do that it's impressive
0: it's an impressive thing when you started your own company, I think how long did you own that company before you uh, came here?
1: Well, I started the first manufacturing business in nineteen eighty um, okay. I came to then I started the second business for the same product line in uh, south central part of the India called Hyderabad. you know I was manufacturing. Okay printing machine rollers, rubber rollers for printing machines and making printing machine parts, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was a good business because printing machines uh, needed rollers to be replaced every 12 to 18 months in those days. So that means it's a continuous business. And I used to put new rubber on the old course. So I came to this country in 1987, April. uh, I remember exactly 13th April, 1987. And uh, it snowed that day. The Indian wanted to see snow. So we saw snow in east long meadow mass um and it was to rotary club to visit but once i came in here rotary club had this exchange program where a business community from here went to india lived there we from there but you know i made use of that opportunity to make connections uh understand the industry in the first 40 days and uh, met somebody who said well do you want to start a business together because you seem to have a lot of knowledge on it and there's a demand for it and market for it. So we we submitted a bank uh, loan application and uh, bank approved it. So that's how I started. No way. No so- way. Now,
0: before you did the bank loan, though, just before that, because you were there. I mean, so for about 10 years, you ran a few businesses in India. What was, I want to know, like, as a guy with a lot of confidence, and, and you, you, you know your markets and you're a highly educated guy with some good self awareness. What was the most what was the most surprising thing or one of the biggest takeaways you learned about yourself through that time?
1: Well as a technologist you're focused on technology. Okay. Mm-hmm. You you develop a lot of uh, being an engineer you but business is not all about engineering and technology. And and you need to know your people and and uh, you know understand how to manage people. So I had my ups and downs with people I hired, you know, people. Uh, India's culture was different. American culture was different. You know, right. India, the obedience, the the yes uh, support, whether it's good or bad is not the question. Okay. Right. Uh, but India was like that. And, um, you know, America was totally different, you know. So, you need to learn to how to deal with people. Um, sales was not a difficulty for me. People bought from my knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. because yes. I had a tremendous knowledge. I had a good product and I had a huge knowledge of printing industry. So sales was not an issue. But getting it done in manufacturing, uh, you required a lot of other people. Mm. And, and that's where uh, you learn to understand that. Uh, People are important. And that was the basic lessons, you know, Uh, and what compassion you show in India. We talk about compassion and empathy. Uh, It works differently in different parts of the world. Right. Okay. so on our anniversary, we gave that as a paid holiday and and we did celebrate it, company anniversaries. And and we basically gave our bonuses. We, We had a huge function. So I said, let me try that in America. So on our company anniversary, I took uh, people out to a really expensive places for dinner. Two people, uh, you know, a husband, wife or partner, whatever whatever it is, you know. Um, and uh, three, four years, it worked fine. Fifty-year people were like, uh, you know, why don't it just give us a amount check for that and give us a gift coupon? And I said, a right. sense of celebration and sense of uh, is, is different for different people, mm. it's we are all human beings, but the cultures are different. One is not superior to the other. Right. That's,
0: you just have to adapt. You have to adapt based on.
1: Yeah. So, so it was
0: different. That's that must I mean. be challenging, though, because I'm guessing your. I don't want to say your value system, but the things that you wanted to celebrate. You know, with people and they're saying, hey, just give me the gift card, man. You know that must be. Uh, initially, that must have
1: been a little frustrating to hear. Yeah, but human beings—you got to understand that humans don't change, and this is what you need to understand, both whether you're doing sales, marketing, or production. Okay, right. I'm just saying this from from a different perspective. Okay, so for for example, you know, I, I'm just giving you some of some of the things that I I did it not because my customers wanted it, but I wanted to do it. You know, mm. I'm just giving you is I didn't go for, you know, I didn't treat my customer for alcohol to get my business. Not that, you know, I went once in a while and that was fine. But I made it my policy to go uh, every Thanksgiving and give a platter to all three shifts. If there are three shifts running personally, fresh platters, you know, for Mm -hmm. dinner or lunch. And I started that as soon as I reached a certain level of stability. You know, Uh my business, once I knew I was making profit, I had certain stability. I did that. And it was interesting. You know, there was a client of mine in in, customer of mine in Utica, New York, family business, 240 employees. I treated all 240 employees for Thanksgiving. And my my way of saying that to them was um, this is my way to say thank you. I exist because of you. Mm. Okay, and and I I appreciate that. You know, this was to all workers with owner's permission. They used to put dining tables there, you know, tables there yeah. and things like that. And even for third shift, I will personally take the, the fresh platter. That that was just my culture. You know, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. And the the result was the owner started joining us. And then my competitors and my ink suppliers, etc., cetera, which, which bigger than me, wanted to do it. And the owner said, no, this is a signature program of Ravi.
0: Right.
1: He didn't do it because he wanted business. He just did it. First time he came to me, asked me, and you're not going to do it. Mm. Okay. So there are certain things. I was, when I was going through major challenges, I had somebody from Holyoke, the, the gentleman used to work for aditech uh, uh, cooks and graphic. And, you know, he had his background. He came from rough backgrounds, but took me like his own younger brother mm. and took me under his wings. I had an accountant who basically I couldn't afford to pay him, but took him, took me under wings here. So human beings are human beings. If you know how to treat them with respect and dignity and, and, and care for them. And I believe it doesn't matter where you are. Does that,
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that kind of creativity is born out of doing the right thing, right. you know, and wanting to, and do, doing that from a good place. Do you feel like? Do you feel like when you say human beings are human beings and they're not going to change, that is a pretty uh, related statement to your comment about you got to know the game? Yeah. You know, like, don't you think those things go hand in hand to a degree?
1: Yeah, but you got to know that basic desires for human beings are still the same. You know, it doesn't matter. The, The culture is different. The game is different. So... Uh, my mother was, edu- you asked me the education background, my mother was education oriented. So I I, uh, I wanted to start, she always wanted to start a scholarship for some people somewhere, mm. you know, and she mm. couldn't. So uh, I had almost 100% of the business for my products, almost from Amsterdam all the way to Circus, you know, that area, ton of business for my rollers and almost everyone was like giving me my business. And um, I decided to say thank you to them. But uh, to do that, I started a scholarship in the uh, name of my mother. Mm. So 2% of my gross revenue, not profit, I started putting in scholarship fund for a graphic art people's kids. Wow. And uh, other people started contributing to it afterwards. And I said, I want you to decide the criteria. I want you to decide, manage it. And I'm just going to put, but only condition I put is half of that money you distribute that year, half of that money you accumulate. So it doesn't end when I stop doing this business here. Uh-huh. And um, it was extremely gratifying. You know, it was gratifying. But even those kids coming in, sitting next to you, doing things. And this is why my own daughter was ready to go to to college and she needed money. Uh-huh. But you know how it pays you back, Mark? That's what I'm saying. Is I'm sorry, I'm probably off the subject. No, there is no
0: subject. Good, good.
1: But this is how it pays you back. Because somebody said, Ravi, do you know the Roller uh, Manufacturers Association has a scholarship? I said, really? I didn't know that. So my daughter applied for it, and she got for four years, 2500 or whatever that amount was wow. per year. So, you know, there is a strange way uh, you get back. But it is one of those people who said, Ravi, do you know that? I said, no, I don't know that.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's karma. That is legit. Just what goes around comes around.
1: Right. So it's it's like I needed money, but that was the right thing to do. Mm. And um, not only helped me in business, but helped my daughter. You know? Yes.
0: Yes. Well, it helps your family, which is phenomenal. Do you? You've referenced a few times. People kind of always have basic needs or the same kind of desires. Are are your, are Ravi's beliefs aligned with like the Maslow hierarchy of needs or do you kind of simplify it? Like when you, when you say, you know, people won't change and they kind of always want the same things, what do you, do you mind just defining that for me?
1: No, that I'm not, no, Maslow's hierarchy is pretty practical because I've used it, you know, in multiple cases. Um, Those are, but, but different people have different, so some people are stuck in a certain areas and they don't see beyond that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just this morning I had, um, you know, uh, I had a wonderful discussion with a young man, a uh, little younger than you. And I actually said, brought your name. So it was funny oh. that I said, I know somebody that is just like you, a little older than you, a little older. He's 28 years. You're, you're much older than him. But i <laughs> oh, no, <no>, come on. <laughs> But I had to tell him that I know somebody. Uh, this young man I, I we met at a business round table, he was still in college and they brought him up. And he eats up any article. Um you know I had to keep an eye on you, you would steal my articles, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing you. But you you are hungry. And this yeah. kid is hungry. And um in this COVID I went and stayed four months with my daughters who are upper end of the millennial generation and they're in the Point of starting family, you know, buying homes and things like that. So uh, I don't know whether I ever told you, uh, Lynn and I do did, uh, do every two years our own visioning and strategic planning, and we're still true to our mission. And our mission, and I wrote that, and I think I shared these pages with you long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah, but our mission has not changed, and the mission still remains. And that this is written in two thousand nine is small and medium businesses and organization make informed choices see i mean you can make choices for them but they you have to help them make informed choices to run their business profitably plan for sustainability and growth and under by understanding cause and effect of various trends you know because mm-hmm. these all these factors a complex decision yes of- and um, similarly for youth and parents make good informed choices to build their career financially secure life build trusting relationship and conserve family values so mm-hmm. our our mission is not change but i'm trying to understand what is the pain point for your generation hmm.
0: pain point just in general you mean like or as it pertains to what
1: what What is, you you can say general, then I will ask because I just had this discussion with this young man this morning, okay? Mm, okay. I think I want to understand the source of that pain point. Because it's important to help you, even the people you are recruiting, or even your own generation. Yeah, I,
0: I, I um... My analysis at the macro level for our generation, at least in the United States, right? That's probably the only place I can really comment on. I, I think we put an awful lot of stock in what others think of us it, to, to the to the point where I I think at times it um it masks and distracts us from what really Bring, like really gratifies us, really motivates us um and drives us to move forward and I think at a big level that's a that's a challenge for our our society and, and our generation
1: so the the phase in which you're in life will will make the answer even within millennials so what
0: what
1: for yes. early part and even my own daughters etc the way I heard even from my daughters who are in their 30s and, you know, their friends, you know, basically, there's a core of that is your generation, majority of them who are fairly educated are saturated in debt. Mm. It is absolutely a
0: pain point. That's fair. That's fair.
1: So when you went for a degree, parents, not all parents are, uh, have a full idea as to, what degree will lead to what because that knowledge was not there, many of them went for a four years college degree without having a plan mm. in a sense some did I'm not saying all of them no I think that I
0: think you're right, and I think that's um i mean we saw we saw the uh the non hard sciences explode in the last twenty years right.
1: And then then the college were doing the degree as a business. So when they got out of the college, they took the first job possible or the earliest job they could to pay off the debt. Correct. And then it's like a trap. Golden handcuff, we call it. See, my generation, baby boomers, the golden handcuff or trap was give them security, you know, 401k, you know, give them. Give them a chance to buy their homes. That was the golden handcuff. So if they buy a home, they will remain stationary in one place. You know, if they, yeah. if they have 401k, they will, they will look at their retirement. For your generation, generally speaking, debt is a handcuff. Yes. Because you're looking to pay off the debt and start life as early as you can. Yes. And, and which means you may change the job for money for all you know. I'm not saying all do. But some people may, a majority Mm -hmm. of them may, you know.
0: I think it's it's the reason why, you know, the point I made about how people are doing things that distract them and they care about other things. I think that's, they're very related because they get that first job because it's paying the bills and they get trapped in that because their knowledge starts to expand and they become more a product of
1: what they've been doing as opposed to what they want to do. Right. And then they take a linear path because yeah. now that's what they are because the companies and then what happens when that product line that service line or that industry just get disseminated where do they go
0: right right, right. You, you, have to, you have to restart over and and god forbid you still have debt
1: right and and it's not easy for all of them to pass the debt and then comes the tension of buying home and starting a family you know some people yes. don't think about it. Start the family like you. No, I'm just kidding. Right.
0: No, I mean it's it's a great it's a great point, and I think um, it's an in, it's a really interesting problem as it pertains to people's career paths and what they choose because because uh, sometimes the jobs that pay more initially tend to be ones that are going to give you the golden handcuffs and the and the pursuits and the passions that people want to follow take a long time to get off the ground, and don't pay for a little while.
1: Yeah. So so career development or life's plan is missing, even though a lot of young people think they're doing, but this forces of stress that is coming on them, you know, starting mm-hmm. relationships, starting family, buying home, paying debt. It's, it's really a... A vortex. I mean, it's, it's really uh, uh, very stressful. And even though uh, the older generation may perceive you as a fun-loving, oh, they have a lot of what, uh, they want everything yesterday, they have a lot of, you know, that's a false, that's looking at it from a wrong prism. Right, you know? right. So, so my focus has been in recent time more and more on trying to help them find their path to journey. Because they're not, they're not enjoying. A lot of younger people are in the moment, but not enjoying uh, what they do. I mean, yes. they, they 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 they're having fun in the moment. I'm not saying they don't. You know, I'm just saying. Right. right. So, that's part of my coaching core now, and I'm doing this from the older people. But it's not just limited to younger people. Older yes. people also. Going through transition of life phase. So your generation, that's why I say 28 year and 32 year, there's a major difference right there. Yes, there is. There is. So older people. So my coaching basics about personal awareness or personal coaching, and I'll go to business coaching shortly. But the personal coaching has been focused on your life is not a linear journey. And. In this, transitions are going to happen. Mm. How are you going to address with the transition? Mm-hmm. It's, a per- it's a perfect
0: topic for this podcast. Right. It's, because it, it, things are going to happen that are unexpected.
1: And so COVID didn't bring change. COVID accelerated the change that was already coming. Correct. Okay. But it affected different people differently. Yes. Okay. More women are 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 gone out of the workforce because of COVID. Yes, because you know they have to take care of the kids. They have to take care of the family. You know they they, they have to. They cannot do justice and and do everything altogether.
0: Right. I saw that article talking about the danger going on of of kind of regressing as a society.
1: Yeah, uh, and so. Dynamic. So the impact has not been even same thing with with, uh, you know, ethnically diverse black people, all those things. So
0: and 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 uh, demographics, when you looked at um, the way the uh, pandemic affected folks, I mean, the stock market has been virtually hasn't moved. I mean, it has it has in our world. But like when you look at it, in the totality of it where, you know, the wealthiest Americans or the wealthiest people in the world keep their money. For the most part, it's still you know it's still driving along and right. it doesn't it's not uh, giving you the clearer picture of what's happening.
1: Correct. So so that's one thing I'm I'm saying is is the it has impacted and and what does what kind of stress does that bring to their families? You know, single mom, you know, at home, and the same thing but different from my generation. You know, uh, I'm at a point. I was never alone at home now. And I'm not saying this with, with looking for empathy or, or uh, sympathy, but my father, you know, he was 95 years. Old. He had to get to the nursing home. He passed away uh, through COVID. You know, my, my wife is in a nursing home and you cannot touch them. You cannot go and see them. I mean, you can see them for five minutes with a glass, etc. But the fact is when they need you, you cannot see them. So mm-hmm. should we, as a generation, live with a guilt in our mind, or should we move on, and right. and that's a struggle mm-hmm. my generation is going through. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, well, it's interesting because our conversation has kind of t- uh, which is I love our conversations, Rob, because they're always good and philosophical, but grounded and and facts and and based. And but I think two of Two of the most major issues in the country right now are school debt. And I don't mean like we should just relieve debt. I, I think there's got to be some level of a way we, we rethink the rite of passage that is after, after, after high school in America. Like I, like I, you know, as a guy who was fortunate enough to go to college, I had to pay for some of it. My parents had a rule no matter where I went, I had to pay for some of it. And I told my mom of a couple months ago, I was like, that's the best thing you ever did because I paid attention. But um, that I think that whole college piece needs to be reworked and rethought out and 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 socially accepted. My aha moment was in Australia when I when I was there after school, and the only people that went to college, which was probably I'm gonna guess, but in the in the demographics, I was within less than less than fifteen percent of the people I hung out with went to a higher educate higher you know place of learning. Because they were truly interested in that. There were many paths for strong paying jobs elsewhere. So I always thought that college bubble was going was gonna to, was going to pop into your point. I think COVID is um, accelerating some of the progress with that. But the other one being end of life care. I, like we do not have a, it's funny. My wife and I have started talking about that. But what are we going to do? What's our plan? We're thinking about putting an addition on our house and we're, uh, I'm 30, I'll be 35 in, in a month. In November. And uh, and as a 35-year-old, my wife and I are thinking about not only saving for college for our children, potentially putting an addition on our house for a little bit more space, but then the conversation became, who's going to take care of our parents when they're older? You know, because because there really was, I think... You're about my parents age. And, and, for, and for them, it wasn't really talked about or thought of. And it's just a problem that people are dealing with in the moment as opposed to coming up with like a way we should be handling this and a best practice that's generally accepted. So it's it's a um, it's a really interesting thought and, and a challenge that I never thought I would be addressing now, you know, or starting to at least talk about now.
1: So, so your generation, as I'm saying, it's, it's, you know, I, it helped me, even though I was very close to my daughters, living with them for four months, seeing their life, you know, and, and living in their own house and, and, you know, their, their friends, their husbands. I, I realize, you know, some of the, um, some of the ideologies that became populistic in recent time. And I can see the source, you know, mm-hmm. the one is the dead. So college. Yes. You know, uh, I'm not political in any sense, but why Bernie Sanders' message of free college education stuck with people was, you know, uh, whether it's right or wrong, how is people, are, I'm not talking logic, I'm talking emotion. Yes, okay? emotional,
0: emotional right. connection right away. People are like, that makes sense. I shouldn't right. be, I shouldn't be uh, held back by these, by this debt that I've incurred. Right. So because that's- for them, they were following the correct social path.
1: The second one is healthcare is connecting because just COVID has created pre-existing condition. Not only that, but you know, a lot of your generation has gone from one job to another job to to independent contractors, and yes. and you know, the reason for universal healthcare makes sense to them so that they have healthcare. You know, and I know a lot of younger people don't don't uh, see themselves vulnerable, but they're getting more and more mature in that sense to say. Healthcare is important. So universal healthcare, why it, it made sense in a populistic sense yes. is because, because you are working remotely, you're working independent contracts, you know. I mean, so, so I can see where the need is going to be in the future and how our government or people navigate through that. I don't have an answer. I'm not, you know, yeah. but I can see that there's a serious need besides that childcare. Childcare is going to be a huge, uh, huge thing. And another funny thing that I've seen growing substantially is those who want to start family because the family started are being started uh, later. There's a huge uh, spike in the fertility clinics. Mm. Mm. Yes. Huge spike. Yes. So see, each generation faces things differently. Your Mm -hmm. generation is going to face things differently. So. Just the last week, somebody sent me one of the clients we were working with uh, sent me an advertisement uh, uh, script for job posting they're going to do, and I said, "Well, basically you're looking for somebody who's working somewhere to come to you
0: yeah
1: I mean, simple you' lower level middle level, but you're looking for somebody who's working so why would they want to change right. what's your hook and I saw no hook. And I'm looking at it from your perspective, because this is for younger people. Why yeah. would they want to change the job? Right. Why wouldn't they want to come to unknown unless there's a better salary, but there's a child care? What is it that, that will incite them to even apply for your job?
0: Yeah, move the needle to make some level of take some level of action.
1: Yeah. So in business mm-hmm. coaching also, I, I, I focus on these things to say that human factor matters. And then the typical business strategies, you know, how do you how do you do uh, business modification or or business model uh, innovation and things like that. But business coaching is about people's mindset, you know, and, and yes, I think that's where I focus. But I think I, I, I talked a lot. To you you have questions. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, ravi I think
0: I I think um, what I loved about our our times together when I was part of the group was not there was a lot of mindset talk right I be good to great in those types of things i mean they showed the empirical data of how to do it as well but um, a lot of it a lot of it is mindset i guess i'm interested after that conversation to know i know your um, your daughters um, have done well and they went to college and they did, and they did well after college um, would you seeing where they're at now and seeing what's going on, and and let's let's like take the scholarship part away from it. How would do you think you tell people to continue to go to school or not, or do you think like if you had knowing what you know now, you know you get to kind of look through it hindsight's twenty twenty, and you've got a seventeen year old finishing high school and starting to look forward to the future. They're going to turn eighteen and make a decision. Would you would you be a little less focused on them pursuing higher learning than maybe you were at the at the t- at that time, years
1: ago? It depends on their aptitude. Okay, it Correct. depends on their aptitude. Okay, my my older one went to college. She was college material, but not with a very specific plan in her mind. She went for liberal arts. The younger one was purely engineering material, so she had a clear path in her mind. Yeah, okay? yeah. But the older one, when she, she went through this, she got into pharmaceutical industry. She went with a very open mind that I want to go to pharmaceutical uh, industry, because they pay for the post graduation. If you work for so many years, you know, so I don't know what post graduation I want. But once she worked there and got laid off two, three times because pharmaceutical industries had all this, she never was without job. But got and then again got picked up. Uh, she realized uh, the healthcare industry as such. And when she wanted to go for post graduation, uh, she could have gone for MBA, the typical uh, path, or law. And lawyers were without job. OK, mm-hmm. but she decided to go for a because she felt passionate about the injustice and unfairness in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to contribute there today. Mm-hmm. In just five years, she's considered to be an authority in our country for uh, uh, drug, uh, you know, drug related issues. Yes. She, she's speaking at the conferences, Sheriff's Association of America and things like that. She's considered Harvard, she did Harvard Medical Science, she did two presentations that by invitation. So she's becoming an authority.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: that was her passion. So it at a very young age, kids don't know what they want except few. Okay, so how do you navigate that and put them in the right path? Mm-hmm. That depends on a parenting and a good counsellor. And sometimes schools do not have good counselor high school level because they themselves are not exposed. So if I had to do anything different, I would create a program for school counselors, high school counselors to understand what the potential is out there and guide their kids through that process. Get Mm. them mentally ready. Yes. Yes, that's a great,
0: that's a great point because there is no like black and white answer, right? Obviously, you got to kind of feel it out and. And I'm, as someone who probably didn't need to go to college to do the job I do, I can certainly tell you beyond the fact that the people I met were excellent and the networking and all the things that came out of that were, were a tremendous advantage to me versus uh, other folks. But I do, I do sit there sometimes and something comes up and I rely on a class I took or an important conversation I had to reference it. And it's like, hmm, it's hard to really make the call of like, of of the right way to do it, I do wish we didn't glorify it. I I wish I wish as a society we didn't say, you know, we've had Lynn on the podcast and her son went to it is you know, goes to a trade school and is gonna do very well. Super well. I've got tons of friends that went that path and they make uh the money that the people that went to college are hoping to make in years to come, but they're making it right away with Little to zero debt. And so it's an interesting dynamic for sure.
1: And, and that's what it's going to be. It depends on their aptitude and, and their, their passion, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and sometimes they don't know it. You got to walk with them and take them there, you know, I mean, yeah. just so it's, it's something that I believe in.
0: I think, the, I think the general thing, and you, and you talked about it with, with your mission statement. You referenced the continuation of family values, but I think the real thing that I'm starting to take too from this conversation is, it's so important important as a parent to be aware and adapting along the way for your child. Because in reality, that's the best counselor you've got. And so, and, and, and if you're in a fortunate situation to have both parents, it's helpful. And if not, I think those are the people we got to help counsel through that. You know, and that's kind of why I started the podcast because a lot of these conversations get, you know, there's people that are fortunate to have them and there's other folks that are wondering them and they're not able to bounce these ideas off people and, and understand um, and understand maybe the cost-benefit analysis through someone like your lens, right? How you look at it as opposed to how I would look at it. Exactly.
1: And, and some people have the very fixed uh, idea. You take a job, you stay in the job, you make your living. But jobs are not secure anymore because, you know, industry may happen. So their way of thinking is from their lenses and it's not practical uh, throughout, across the board for for today. You know? so, so true,
0: so true. That's and I think that's the the only other point I'll make that I was going to make earlier when you said it, and you were like, you know, you never know where your job's going to be. It's one thing to choose a profession or a, the place you want to go, and engineering does this, I think, really well because it hones in the fact that people have skills, and then the skills are applicable to many different industries. You know, we we all, and especially in my position. Uh, profession, we see how you can go from automotive to medical to contract manufacturing pretty easily. Harder at times. Uh, and it's not a, it's not harder in other professions, but sometimes the onus is more on doing the job well than gaining the skills to perform the job well that are translatable at other companies. And I, it's funny. I, I've always thought about that. I always ask myself, what if, what if I lost my job tomorrow? What skills would I be able to basically monetize? To continue to provide for my family
1: and that's what i had to do that's how i got into coaching because when i when i sold my manufacturing business i'm respectful of your time you know i don't mind you know whenever no,
0: we'll, go, we, we'll, we'll get we'll wrap it soon i'd love to hear this story
1: yes yeah, so when when i uh, you know i i saw my condition of the business that i wanted to expand but it was like i had already physically got burnt out emotionally burnt out at that point but I was willing to continue if my daughters wanted the business. And they both of them said, no, dad. I mean, I saw what happened. Yeah. Then I did a market study. Printing industry was changing at such a rapid rate. You know, digital printing was coming. The rubber roller need was becoming less and less. So ultimately, it was a dying industry. So I was fortunate to exit at one particular time. And then what? where do I go? So four years, two years before I exited, I I hired a coach and mm. And because I could be emotional and, you know, so I wanted to have some logic behind it. And I put two buckets, my technical knowledge and my other skills. And said, which are which have a future market value? Mm. The technical skills had a limited market value because, you know, I mean, the graphic industry, they, they were all related to rubber and graphic industry. Right. And. And whereas my other knowledge, like starting a business, coming from India with zero in pocket, starting a business here, making it successful, going through hardship, paying the taxes, you know, coming out of it and building a business, those were more um, entrepreneurial skills and more of of business skills that were more valuable to others. So that's where I made a shift and made a decision to go into coaching, you know, because somebody, my daughter at that time was working somewhere and somebody said that, you know, she said, "Dad, Dad do you know there is a new profession of coaching?" I said, "Okay, I'll explore it," and I felt very passionate about it. And and that's where I made the shift in in my technical skills. And and I'm I'm glad I did that because yeah. you know what? In my current skills, I tell people, I don't brag from my success. I teach you from my failures. I said, "These are the things I did, and I don't want you to do it." Because I said at the end of the day, the higher you go, and we do we have developed that program for some of some people like you, Mark, and you're welcome to to talk about it later. But people make decisions people make decision either what you call is ethical decision because in their own heart and heart they want to make ethical decision. you know mm-hmm. They may own define their own ethics. They, ethical or moral, logical, that means they look at logic behind the decision. And emotional, mm. and ultimately emotion wins over everything else. Yes. And you put logic behind it. You put, you know, so what happens is a lot of times people do things, buy equipment, put money into the expansion of building, etc., from emotional point of view. Mm. And I, I I try to bring the logic to them um, and challenge them for logic and ethics. So that they can at least, to some extent, see through their emotions and and come, arrive at a decision. That's why I call it informed choices.
0: I, I, Robbie, I think. Well, a, thank you for sharing that story too, because I love the technical breakdown of it. But you kind of brought you kind of helped in end the podcast as well, because you nailed on those two uh, two themes to me throughout the entire conversation was the self awareness piece, and you got to have self awareness, and and I think. Oftentimes, we need mentors, uh, role models, uh, guide or guidance counselors, and some of the suggestions we give to give us a healthy dose of reality with that self-awareness as well. Um, but those are two major themes that the podcast has started to really hone in a little bit more on. It's interesting. You have talked to people, and, and one of my favorite things about doing the roundtables with you where we were the only service, like truly – kind of staffing focused service in within the group that you, that you assemble together. Um, and when you take the time to meet other people and learn about their problems, they all are the same and they just yeah. manifest. They might manifest a little differently because we, we have different uh, product types, but it's uh, it always comes down to the same kind of problems. And I think that was um, a huge takeaway that gave me a lot more self awareness, like that. It wasn't just a Mark problem at the moment. So um, well Robbie we've done over an hour i okay. I, I could talk, I could talk to you forever you're going to be someone we we have to have back and maybe we'll have to choose focused topics because I know you and I could come prepared and really uh, let it rip. but uh, thanks so much again for coming on. I'm glad you're doing well and uh, and good luck through through the through the rest of the pandemic.